Let's pray before we begin. Lord, we turn our eyes upon you and we ask that you teach us. We pray that our hearts would be open. Would you remove all barriers from your word and truth today? May I be faithful to the preaching of your word. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. I used to love reading a, a comic strip series called Kevin and Hobbes. I'm not sure how many of you uh, know it. Probably those who are uh, maybe a little young uh, might not know. But uh, essentially, it used to be a comic about a, a young boy and uh, his stuffed tiger whom he saw to be uh, like a real tiger and they're very good friends and uh, it, it's although it's a very cute and, and funny comic um, it, it's also meant for people who are sl slightly older so not so much uh, meant for kids and I was just very sad when I, I heard that the author of the comic uh, Bill Weatherson uh, retired from drawing this comic. But as I was preparing today's message, I came across a few old comic strips from Kevin and Hobbes. And, uh, you know, it, it's... This comic that I came across, uh, it's this one. Okay, and, and basically it's about how Kelvin... Uh, feels really bad about something that he's done to this girl named Susie, okay, that he called her names. And so he feels sorry, uh, and Hobbes tells him he should apologize, and he he wants another way. He doesn't want such an obvious solution because it's not something that he wants to do. Right? One of the great things about Kelvin is that he gives us a picture of who we are inside a lot of times. Even as adults, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a representation of our inner child in many of us. And so this comic shows one side of the struggle, this confession, seeking forgiveness and reconciliation. And I'm sure that's something that uh, many of us can identify with, that struggle of being able to bring yourself to say, I'm sorry, right? And here's how this strip continues. Uh, <laughs> Kelvin tries to apologize. He can't find the words. He can't bring himself to say it. Uh, maybe he can't work up the courage. And Susie, the girl whom he has insulted, basically tells him, go away. I don't have anything to do with you. And he insults her some more. Okay, uh, I'm not going to go through the entire comic, although I'm sure some of you uh, would love that. If you've never read Kelvin and Hobbes before, I strongly recommend it. Uh, today, we are looking at the subject of forgiveness and reconciliation. And that instantly makes this a very sticky and personal topic for many of us. Because we live in a world where people hurt others and get hurt by others all the time because of sin. And the big idea of my sharing today is that with God, true forgiveness is possible and necessary. Okay, so if you forget everything that I say today, with God, true forgiveness is possible and necessary. My job today is not to convince you to forgive and reconcile with others. 
but to bring us through what God's Word has to say about the subject and how you respond to what the Holy Spirit says to you about this issue is entirely up to you. Uh, today is a continuation of last week's story of Joseph's brothers meeting him again after 20 years. And this is the climax of this drama that's been going on since we were first introduced to Joseph. And he had these dreams about his brothers and they resented him and uh, they, they were jealous of uh, his how his father favoured him and all those things. And so we saw last week the brothers' remorse and their confession, how they admitted what they had done to Joseph. Although they didn't confess to him directly, but they confessed to one another. Now is the, the climax of the story where Joseph reveals his true identity to them. In Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 to 5, Joseph says to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one whom you sold into Egypt. Uh, now do not be distressed and do not be angry to yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Now remember, the cat is out of the bag. Joseph knows what has been done to him. After all, he went through it, right? And so the brothers also know that he knows, right? Because they had done it to him. And so this is an opportunity for Joseph to confront them, to force them to admit how wrong they were. Maybe let them grovel at his feet a bit more uh, or show how, how great he has become despite what they had done to him. But his primary concern isn't that. He's more concerned about his father, his brothers, and what God had done in his life. And so... Joseph, in this passage, has clearly forgiven his brothers and he is trying to reconcile with them. So now is a good time for us to discuss a few questions for reflection and discussion. If you were in Joseph's situation, how do you think you would have dealt with your brothers? Okay, let's say you have brothers and they did this to you, right? And then now you're in Joseph's situation and... How would you have dealt with your brothers after what they had done to you? And for the kids, if someone made fun of you in front of everyone, what would you do to that person? Why? Okay, let's spend some moments discussing on these questions.
Welcome back. Do feel free to share in the chat some of your answers or maybe your kids' answers if they are happy for you to share them. Now let's look at some lessons that we can learn about forgiveness from today's passage. And the first thing we can learn is from the picture of forgiveness that Joseph paints in this passage. And one thing we can see is that forgiveness paves the way for reconciliation. Now, before we go further, I need to highlight some differences between forgiveness and reconciliation. Firstly, although forgiveness and reconciliation are very closely related, they are not one and the same thing. Although forgiveness is something that we, we do because of others and it's directed towards others, it is entirely dependent upon ourselves. Now in the Bible, there are a few Hebrew and Greek words that mean to forgive. And some of these words are only used to refer to God's forgiveness. But the words that refer to human forgiveness mainly carry the idea of lifting and carrying away guilt and sin, or sending away or releasing guilt or sin, or extending grace to another and so although all these things involve another person, the person doing the forgiving is the instigator. The success of that exercise of forgiveness does not depend on the other person or any other person. It depends entirely on the person who is doing the forgiving. On the other hand, reconciliation is something that requires both parties. And the original words in the Bible that mean to reconcile uh, in the way that, that we usually understand uh, of reconciliation uh, carries the idea of exchanging, okay, for entering into a change relationship and exchanging a, a sort of like exchanging a, a bad relationship for a good one. And a relationship requires two active parties. And we will we'll examine this aspect of reconciliation more later. And so if I were to draw a Venn diagram, it would look something like this. Right? And so forgiveness makes reconciliation possible. It paves the road for it, but it is not automatic. Now coming back to Joseph and his brothers, we already know by this point of the story that Joseph's brothers are remorseful. They, they feel bad for what they've done. And in this passage, we discover that they do not resist reconciliation. But reconciliation still needs to be initiated. Now, of course, the brothers couldn't initiate reconciliation out of shock, fear, guilt, right? They, they didn't even expect Joseph to be alive in the first place. But Joseph initiated reconciliation instead of revenge even though he had every means and every motive to take revenge. Now, if we lived in a time before Jesus taught about forgiveness, 
we would consider it right and just for Joseph to take revenge instead of showing mercy because it was his right. But that's not what he did. Uh, it's interesting that Joseph didn't just forgive his brothers. He didn't just tell them, okay, I forgive you. No hard feelings, huh? Okay, let's go our separate ways. Let's not have anything else to do with each other. Too many painful memories, you know, I'm just gonna, uh, all right, no, no ill feelings towards you, but let's leave, lead separate lives. No, he doesn't do that. He eventually arranges to have them move to live near him to be very much part of his life again. And so he initiated reconciliation. He also desired their good. Sometimes we say we forgive others in order to be the bigger person. Uh, but deep down, we want to make sure that they pay for their crimes. Or at least they feel bad about what they did. A bit like Susie here. Right, where she's, uh, she accepts Kelvin's apology, but Kelvin doesn't. He's the weight is gone from his shoulders, uh, his shoulders, and he's he's all happy, and she's not satisfied. She wants him to be a bit more upset with himself. But true forgiveness doesn't wish ill upon others. Now we see exactly that in Genesis chapter forty-five, verse five, where Joseph tells his brothers after revealing his identity, he tells them. Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. He doesn't even want them feeling bad about what they have done, unlike Susie. Right? He, he's not even waiting for a, an apology from them. A lot of people say, okay, I will forgive if they come and say sorry, but they didn't even say sorry. Joseph doesn't care about sorry. He doesn't want them to feel bad. He just wants to forgive. And so, also in, in Genesis chapter 45, verse 10 to 11, he uses his position to improve their life. And so it says, uh, when he tells them, go get, get our father and, and come back, move, move uh, into Egypt, you shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have, I will provide for you there because there's still going to be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. And so he is providing and making way for them to, uh, to, to be provided for and to be sustained. And that region of the land of Goshen is also a very uh, bountiful one and fruitful. And so what Joseph is doing here is he is blessing them immediately after uh, he reveals his identity to them. Okay, even before they say sorry, right? He's blessing them and he can only do that because he's forgiven them and he is treating them as brothers whom he loves. Now, verse 15 also tells, uh, shows us how forgiveness is heartfelt. Joseph kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Now, in patriarchal times, kissing was something reserved for family, usually on the lips. Of course, this doesn't have the same sort of meaning today. Uh, we don't kiss other people on the lips uh, in a platonic way most of the time, at least in, in Malaysian culture. Um, but back then, it was an expression of brotherly love. 
And so here, when Joseph kisses his brothers, it is a symbol of Joseph's willingness to consider them family, in case they doubted and thought that he had disowned them or something like that. On top of that, the weeping that surrounds this whole reunion, not just now, but even earlier, and he's trying to hide his tears and all that, uh, all this weeping that Joseph does shows how affected he is at the, the, the heart level. And so for Joseph, forgiveness is not just something that he says, but doesn't truly mean in his heart. However, I should note here that forgiveness doesn't undo hurts, although it does allow us to move forward. You see, forgiveness can bring healing in many ways, but it doesn't remove the pain, the, the fact that pain was caused. Although Joseph is able to forgive his brothers now, they did throw him into a pit. They did sell him off to slave traders. And they did make his father think that he was dead. Forgiveness does not change that. It does not rewind time. The effects of Jacob's grief and Joseph's sufferings is still there. It's just that Joseph forgives his brothers in spite of all that. In spite the fact that those things had happened. So forgiving others means needing to acknowledge the hurt and not downplay it and pretend that it's nothing. When we say, you know, when, when somebody hurts you and you say, oh, it's okay, no big deal. You know, our, our motive could be so they, they won't feel grieved or angry with themselves like Joseph, right? Because we, we wish uh, good for them. But if we truly are hurt, it is good to honestly acknowledge the hurt without exaggerating all right, and trying to play it up and highlight it. Uh, but it's good to acknowledge the hurt that, that you feel so that the truth of how we're actually affected doesn't get hidden by politeness. And also so they, they know that they have hurt you in some way uh, and, and so they can... Um, not hurt you the same way again you know if they don't know how how would they be able to prevent it now forgiving also doesn't mean forgetting but instead viewing the same hurt but now from a different perspective with a different attitude it's a bit like grief denying a loss doesn't make it go away but eventually coming to terms with what you have lost allows you to remember that loss without as much pain, regret, or sorrow. Now, this saying has been said many times by many people, and it goes something like this. Resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die, right? I'm sure you've heard this saying before. And so when we fail to forgive and we harbor a grudge, we stay stuck in the hurt and the pain that has happened at that point. And we just relive the pain over and over. And sometimes the other person isn't even aware that they have hurt you, if they hurt you accidentally. Or, or maybe they've even completely disappeared from your life. They, they, you've just lost touch, they've moved out of the country, maybe they've even passed away. Uh, yet we remain stuck in resentment and bitterness, refusing to deal with it. 
So although forgiveness doesn't negate the hurt, it doesn't uh, remove the fact that it happened, it does allow us to move past it and to let ourselves heal from the poison that we've been drinking regularly ourselves. Now let's take some time to reflect and discuss. Has someone forgiven you for something before? How did it feel? Right. And for the kids, have you done something bad to someone before and they still continue being your friend? How did you feel? Okay, let's take some time to discuss. Uh, we've been looking at this picture of forgiveness that Joseph gives us from today's passage. But I don't want us to get the, the wrong lesson that Joseph is some special person who's just a really good guy and you know we, we need to just, just work harder to be better like him. Because that doesn't work. We can't will ourselves into being more forgiving purely on our own. I'm sure you've heard many stories of people like Corey Ten Boom who had been humiliated and suffered much together with others in the Nazi concentration camp and how she meets one of her former guards many years later, shakes his hand, forgives him. You know, those mothers who uh, forgive the killer of their child. You, know, you can't will yourself to forgive people who have caused such grievous hurt to you just like that, we need to consider the God factor. Forgiveness is possible simply because of God. How so? Let's look at a few ways. 
In Genesis chapter 45, verse 5 to 8, Joseph says, Now do not be distressed, right? And do not be angry yourselves for sending me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years, now there have been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing, plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save yourselves, uh, save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now finally, we come to this verse that we've been referring to so many times throughout our sermons in Genesis, every time the theme of God's providence pops up. Without God, pain and hurt inflicted by humans on one another is just cruel and it's meaningless. But with God, we don't only get a reason for the suffering, again, the, the big reason for suffering is sin. We also know that all our pain has a purpose in God's sovereign plan. And so seeing the bigger picture helps us to forgive. A bit like Calvin's dad. Kelvin uh, borrows his father's binoculars and he plays with it. He tosses it to himself while running down the sidewalk. And of course, it falls and breaks. And then he gets super panicked and he knows he's in deep trouble. The father shouts at him. And so he feels really, really bad. But as the father says, it's, it's not really that bad. And it could be worse. Uh, that's, that's just a comic. It doesn't... Uh, when, when we look at the bigger picture, of, when we look at our pain in terms of the bigger picture, it doesn't mean that we need to downplay our pain and say that it's not such a big deal. But it does mean that we need to look beyond it. We need to look beyond our pain and, and pull, pull back and, and just uh, zoom out a bit and see what is more than just our pain. Now, Joseph's pain is one such example on several levels. On the immediate level, his suffering saves lives for um, those who are going through the seven years of famine in the surrounding area because they only store grain during the seven years of abundance that came before the seven years of famine. They, they only stored the grain because of how Joseph interpreted the dream for Pharaoh and Joseph was in a position to be able to manage and store all that grain. And so his suffering saves lives in that immediate space. On a larger level, his suffering brings Israel into Egypt for the events of the Exodus. And you know I've already talked about that larger purpose last week. And on an even larger level, his suffering is recorded as part of God's word as we are going through right now, teaching, rebuking, inspiring God's people for millennia. And that continues. Now, does that mean that we can only forgive when we can understand what the purpose of our pain was? Or or when we can finally see the good in our situation? Does that mean that, oh, only when we can look back at hindsight and see that Oh, God had a big plan and all that. Oh, now we can forgive. Uh, Definitely not. Because Joseph didn't see the purpose of his suffering beyond the immediate level of 
you know, saving of many lives during that seven years of famine. He didn't see the larger purposes and it was so much more than just that uh, saving lives in that time period. And so even if God doesn't give us insight into you know, the, the purpose of our pain or what good can come out of it, that is where faith in God's good character, that's where uh, promises like Romans 8.28 comes in. Another element of the God factor in this passage is that it gives us a glimpse of what God's forgiveness is like. You see, Joseph is a type of Christ. He is a type of Christ is someone or something in the Old Testament that models and teaches things about what Jesus would be like. And so, like Christ, Joseph forgave those who had meant to harm him, even though they didn't deserve his forgiveness. And also, Genesis uh, chapter 45 verse 7 says, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And so this is something that God will do over and over again in the Old Testament. This remnant that is delivered. It, it happened during Noah's time. right? It happened during the Exodus. It happened after the exile to Babylon. And all these things point forward towards Jesus' work of salvation on the cross. Jesus, who is the ultimate example of forgiveness on the cross, where mercy and justice meet. Now, one of the challenges of forgiveness is the feeling that it's, like, it's not fair. Right? And that's why people crave revenge, because it feels fair, like they deserve it. Right, revenge is sweet. And but we know that uh when we know God, forgiveness does not negate justice. It doesn't invalidate justice. Instead, it's accepting that God has paid the price for the hurt that was caused to you. You see, Christ did not just die for our sins and our sins alone. He died for the sins of those who hurt you as well. And that means that the scales of justice has already been balanced at the cross. And so all the injustices that are committed towards us, we don't need to extract a price from the person who committed those things upon us because Jesus has already paid the price. And why did Jesus die on the cross for us? Because we needed it. You see, being part of, uh, part of seeing God's perspective is being able to look at ourselves through God's eyes. When it comes to why we forgive, it's not just about knowing the purpose of our pain or being satisfied with God's justice. We need to remember that we have been forgiven in all of our sins against God when we embrace Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so this is why Jesus' teaching in the Lord's Prayer, the parable of the merciful servant, many, many, many other parts of the Bible, so often teach us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Because we've been forgiven by God, and we should not be withholding from others what God never withheld from us. 
Uh, one thing that I think is often overlooked when it comes to this whole area of forgiveness as, uh, and unforgiveness is the fact that unforgiveness is not just a wrinkle that makes us an uglier person, which it does, right? But unforgiveness is literally sin. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Although the word used here is bitterness, in its context, uh, the, the, the next verse talks about forgiveness. And so bitterness here is describing unforgiveness. And there are so many, 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 many commands all over the Bible telling us, God telling us to forgive others. And so when we don't forgive others, we're essentially disobeying God's command, which is a sin. But the most tragic thing about unforgiveness is not just failing to obey one of God's commands or preventing reconciliation or even poisoning ourselves inside or, or trapping us in our pain. You see, the most tragic thing about unforgiveness is that as a sin, unforgiveness strains our fellowship with God. Especially if we hold on to that unforgiveness, it becomes an area of stubborn unrepentance in our lives. And so that strains our fellowship with God. And so if we hold a grudge long enough, we will eventually find that the damage that unforgiveness does to us and to our relationship with God and to His design for us in abundant life, the damage that is done eventually becomes greater than the initial pain that others had caused us in the first place. Now, earlier I mentioned that forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. And reconciliation is not automatic. All right? It requires both parties, not just the one who was offended, but also the offender. Now, in Joseph's case, his brothers were already remorseful. All right? From last week, we saw. And they were ready to be reconciled. But not everyone is remorseful and ready for reconciliation. Now, if you look at God's forgiveness, Jesus had died on the cross for all. Forgiveness is extended to all. But not everyone has confessed their own sin and need for forgiveness. Not everyone has embraced that forgiveness. Not everyone has faith in Jesus. And so although God's hand of reconciliation has been extended to all, not everyone is reconciled to God. And that's why we need to have a distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation, especially for those who are trapped in abusive situations. If anyone is on the receiving end of abuse, for example, they can forgive them, they can forgive the abuser, but they can't be reconciled or they shouldn't be reconciled until the abuser truly repents. And so if the pattern of abuse continues despite many apologies, then it's not real repentance. And so reconciliation isn't expected at the cost of their well-being and safety. But, no longer talking about abuse here, if the one who has hurt you is truly sorry, 
and desires reconciliation, then it still takes two to reconcile. The ball then is in your court. And the question is posed to you. Will you forgive? Will you be reconciled? Now let's take a moment to reflect and discuss on this question. What is one step that you can take towards forgiving or being forgiven or reconciliation with someone? So you don't have to go into detail, uh, but just one practical step that you can take in either forgiving someone or being forgiven by someone or uh, pursuing reconciliation with someone. And for the kids, is there anyone you need to say sorry to? Or do you have an apology that you need to accept from somebody? Okay, let's discuss. In conclusion, we don't know at what point Joseph forgave his brothers. It might be many years before today's, the, the events of today's passage, or maybe he forgave them exactly at this point here in Genesis chapter 45. But I think I can safely say that Joseph did not feel this forgiving towards his brothers 22 years earlier when he was being thrown into a pit and being sold off to slave traders. Uh, as we grow and mature in faith, we may need to revisit issues of unforgiveness that we may have been holding on to. And so perhaps God has given us insight into his perspective, or maybe our character has grown, or maybe now we're more concerned about dealing with this baggage of this sin of unforgiveness. 
And so may I invite you, friends, to take forgiveness seriously. And if you've not yet addressed areas of unforgiveness, now is the time. And so I'd like you to know that with God, true forgiveness is possible and necessary. Be aware of God's perspective and do forgive as God forgave you. I want to invite you to just close your eyes where you are and just come before God. Would you tell him where you are right now when it comes to this issue of unforgiveness? Ask him to search your heart. Do you have someone you need to forgive? Are there people you think you have forgiven but have not truly? Are you waiting for an apology from somebody before forgiving them? Have you done your part in initiating reconciliation? Is your conscience clear before God who in Christ forgave you? And if God has brought to your mind any outstanding issues of forgiveness, will you just say a prayer in your heart to God right now? Ask Him to heal the wounds. Ask Him to give you His perspective. Ask Him to grant you the grace and the courage to release the hurt and to forgive. Let me pray for you. Lord, I bring to you all who have been hurt and are still hurting, those who have been deeply affected by the deeds of others, whether intentionally or accidentally. I pray against the root of bitterness that such a source of toxicity and division and a deterrent to peace. I pray against the foothold of unforgiveness that gives the devil easy access into our lives. Father, help us to release any grudges we've been holding on to by trusting in your perfect justice and your good purposes. We thank you for Jesus who forgave us while we were still sinners and unlovable. Lord, help us to be Christ-like as your children and to forgive as we have been forgiven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.